Hello, welcome to Pep Talks, People Empowering People, where we interview everyday people telling their stories of not-so-everyday resiliency. We hope to inspire you get through your adversity after learning their stories. Pep Talks is brought to you by Mind Over Matter Books, children and adults books that allow you to learn skills to overcome your adversity so that you can live a more resilient life. We hope you enjoy today's episode. So with me today is Pammy Bullis, a 20-year-old college graduate who not only graduated from Capital University in three years with a bachelor's in arts in philosophy degree, but also received a near full scholarship to attend Case Western Reserve's law school. Pammy didn't always excel in school as she struggled academically due to a learning disability. Let's welcome Pammy and hear her story of academic resiliency. Hi, Pam. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. And we are taping this in, gosh, our seventh or eighth week of quarantine. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. We're taping this in uh, the end of April here. And you are just finishing up. Well, you're supposed to be graduating this week, correct? Yeah. My graduation would have been on Saturday. And how are you feeling about not having this ceremony? Well, it's definitely something that I wish I could do. I understand why. And our school and my family has been really great at finding other ways to sort of recognize the graduates and doing some photo shoots and some online kind of things. So there's definitely a lot being done to show that like it's still a time to celebrate, which is nice. Oh, good attitude. I love that. There's still ways to celebrate, even though it's not in person with all the other graduates. You found ways to do this online, and your family's been very supportive. Good, mm-hmm. good. And and so were you finishing up classes just these last seven, eight weeks? You were still taking online classes, or how were you doing that? Yeah, we were doing online classes. I turned in my last assignment yesterday. Oh, my gosh. It has to feel good. Definitely. Yeah. I'm impressed. So um, like I had mentioned in the intro, it wasn't always um, an an easy go for you. And I'm not sure if it's an easy go for you now. Um, Why don't you take us back to early education, first, second grade, and tell us uh, about when you started to maybe or your mom started to recognize that maybe there was something going on with your learning? Um, Yeah, well, I think it was pretty evident, um, even in first grade and even kindergarten, I really struggled with um, paying attention, sitting still, focusing. A lot of the times the teacher would be talking and I would just be like in my own little world, my eyes would be closed or I'd be doing something, playing with my hair. And a lot of times my teachers would get really frustrated with me because they thought I was just, you know, like goofing off. Um, And sort of around second grade, we started to realize that, okay, I'm still writing my letters and numbers backwards. My writing's jumbled and my attention has not, my attention span has not improved. Whereas a lot of my classmates were starting to get a little bit better at it. And um, my teachers and my mom, I was younger, so I'm not exactly sure how the conversation started, but essentially decided that um, it seems like something's going on. I have some kind of learning disability and it was something that the school needed to address as well as 
you know, myself just trying to figure out how to pay attention and write a little bit more legibly. Gotcha. And, and your mother, thankfully, is a teacher. She's a teacher at Hillside and Parma City Schools, mm-hmm. who I work with. And I'm sure she was able to kind of see that there was something going on with you early on, which is quite a blessing. So between her and the teachers, they were able to but do some testing and diagnose you with a learning disability in second grade? Yeah. Um, I think specifically with my attention span and just my mirror writing, writing numbers and letters backwards, being kind of illegible. Um, so I was diagnosed with a learning disability and then I started being taken into um, special classes, small group classes where the teacher would work a little bit more individually with us. Um, I remember that I didn't have to do cursive writing in second grade. That was one of the first things that I kind of noticed was happening is that my teacher told me, you know, you don't have to worry about doing the cursive homework that everybody else is doing. So I think that's one of the first things that I recognized. And did that upset you or did that give you kind of a relief? Like, okay, I don't have to learn something new that I might struggle with. Or how did you feel about that? Well, I think on one hand, it was... My mom definitely explained it to me and said, like, this is to help you. But I think that when you're, even when you're in second grade and you're not doing the same work as other people and you're being taken out in special classes, you do realize that, like, there's something wrong. And I know for me, um, when I was first told that I was going to be diagnosed with a learning disability, I was really upset. I think I went back to class and I was crying because I thought that it meant I was one of, like, I wasn't a smart kid. Like I thought I was, you know, a dumb kid, quote unquote. I remember um, my teacher actually pulled me aside and was like, it's going to be okay. You know, I thought that I was going to be taken out of my classroom and my school for some reason. She's like, you're not going to be taken out of this class. You know, a lot of kids go through this. It's not just you and it's going to be fine. This is all being done to help you, which is reassuring. But also I think when you're a little kid, you know that you know, sometimes adults sugarcoat things to you. So I still kind of felt a little bit like I was behind or I wasn't doing as well as the other kids in my class. So you, you recognize there was something a little different and you weren't quite sure what this was going to look like. Now you have this label and your education is going to look a little different. So mm-hmm. there has to be some uncertainty and some anxiety like, well, what does this all mean for me? So, so yeah. then you were you were pulled into small group classes, but you still stayed in a lot of your regular ed classes as well? Yeah, I was still in the normal homeroom. I still was mostly with my class. It was usually my math classes that were done in small groups um, because of my numbers being backwards. And when I did math equations, I would like jumble up numbers so badly that it was really difficult for me to eventually be able to figure it out. And I also know that um, that was another area where it was just harder for me to pay attention. And so the small group really helped me keep on track and focus. And like, when I started to kind of nod off, my teacher could be like, Hey, Pammy, like, did you notice what we just did or said? Um, The teacher could help you to stay focused. Yeah. Gotcha. And get you back on track and kind of be more one-on-one with you through um, the learning uh, experience. So, so that benefited you kind of doing the small group classroom in the math. And then Mm -hmm. how did things progress for you? This is like second grade. Did you find yourself learning more in these classes and starting to feel a little more confident as the years went on? How did that look in the next couple years? 
for you? Well, um, you know, in second grade, I think it, it started to help me and the small classes definitely helped me. But um, as I got a little bit older, the other kids realized I was being taken out of class. And around like fourth and fifth grade, I started getting like other kids for my classes would start um, making comments about it. I remember one kid would, you know, be like, oh, well, you're in the dumb class. So, you know, you don't you wouldn't know this or something. And um, I think especially around fifth grade, it got pretty bad where um, I was learning a lot in the small class, but I just wanted to be out of it because all the other kids in the class essentially called us the dumb class either behind our back or some kids would just do it to our face. You know, we'd be um, doing things in, in class and they'd be like, well, of course you don't know that because you're in the dumb kid class. And it got to the point where I was in fifth grade. I was still writing letters and numbers backwards. Um, our teachers would have us do like trade and grade assignments sometimes. And that was one of the most stressful things for me because the other kids would be like, you can't even write a number correctly. Like, no wonder you're one of the dumb kids. Ha <laughs> ha. And oh my God, how yeah. awful. I wonder if yeah. any of those kids that were mocking you out actually graduated from a private <laughs> school like Capital in three years or got, you know, free ride offers <laughs> to, you know, Capital and Akron and Case um, Law Schools now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. I'm sorry that you went through that. Kids can be really cruel. And, and I'm sorry that you had experienced that because that's just awful. That wears and tears on your self esteem. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it? And how do yeah. you keep yourself from feeling awful from these comments or what did you do to get through that? Well, I mean, in fifth grade, I think the nice thing was that I was doing better in school because the small group really was helping me. So in a lot of ways, I could be like, well, you know, I'm doing good in my classes. I had some friends who recognized that I got really into reading. Um, I was reading, I think, the Harry Potter series at that point. So I could finish, like, reading a chapter book within a matter of days, and I would read so much where I would be like, well, you know what? Like, they might say I'm dumb, but I can read really well. Um, I'm starting to do a little bit better in school. And I, I, my parents and my guidance counselors actually eventually got involved, too. And so I did get a lot of support from them in helping me with being like, you know, you're more than what the other kids are going to tell you and you're going to get past this. And like, these classes are not because you're dumb. These classes are because you learn a little bit differently. So I think I had a lot of support in that sense. It was still hard, but I also think that eventually it also motivated me to work harder, right? Like I was like, I'm going to get better. I'm going to get past this attention um, problem. I'm going to get past my uh, writing and spelling. I remember I had my numbers one day and I was just like, I'm going to memorize how to write the numbers correctly. And I just wrote numbers like for hours on end um, correctly. So I wasn't doing them backwards and just practice and practice and practice. So the next time we did a trade in grade, you know, kids wouldn't be able to say you're writing your numbers backwards. Um, So it definitely hurt, but I think it also motivated me and I had enough support from my family and from people at my school that I was able to get past that a little bit. Wow. I'm so proud of you. That's a really difficult thing to get through. Kids can be hurtful. And thankfully, you have the support of your parents and your counselor and self-motivation. My goodness, for you know, like a fifth grader to sit down and just write numbers over and over and over again. So to avoid the ridicule from other kids and to gain the skill, that, that took a lot of self-motivation, some real independence on your part and some 
real strong drive on your part, which I'm guessing is what also helped you to continue to be a successful student. Now, so this is grade school. You went to public or private schools? Public school. I went to Brexville. You went to Brexville. Very good school system. And so now um, you're continuing on, like you get into middle school. Are you still going to a small group classes at all in middle school? Um, so middle school, actually, halfway through my first semester, I got taken off of the IEP. And I was doing well in my classes. Um, most of my teachers would make comments like why to my mom kind of being like, you know, she's getting all A's. Like, we don't really know why she needs this anymore, um, especially after seventh grade. But I do remember when I was taken off of the IEP, um, I was still in a small intervention class. And I actually asked to stay in the class because I had a lot of friends in there and I would help people with their homework. And I know that that became kind of a confidence boost for me is that I was able eventually to kind of become like a peer mentor and a peer leader and be able to help the other kids out a little bit. Um, and maybe just one-on-one explain concepts that I know for me, like sometimes I have trouble paying attention in a big room. So to be able to kind of being like, okay, maybe this is also something that they struggle with and being able to explain it to them um, was definitely something that helped me like pick up my confidence and realize that I could use it to help other people too. That is beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. I love that you chose to become a peer mentor and a peer leader. You know, I taught special ed for about 10 years and have been in schools for 30 years. And I don't recall any of my students ever wanting to, you know, stay in that small group class to reach out and help others. That's, that's truly beautiful. That's shows your leadership skills, your independence, and shows certainly that you gain that confidence by seventh grade, which can be a really difficult time. Seventh grade seems to be a real difficult uh, stage of kids' lives. And here you are excelling academically, confident, and reaching out and helping others. I love that. So, so now you're, you're off the IEP, you're excelling, you head off to high school. And what did high school look like? And what kind of classes were you now taking at the high school level? Um, yeah. Thank you, first of all. Um, and second, with high school, I was doing much better. I was in mostly honors classes, mostly AP classes. Um, by my sophomore year, at first it was just English because I became really, really good at English. But by my sophomore year, I was actually able to get into honor science as well, which was a big goal for me because that was something that I had struggled with. And um, actually, by my senior year, I made it into an AP math class, AP statistics, which. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it was really exciting for me because even up to that point, I still struggled a lot with math. And even now, I still struggle with math and I still struggle with paying attention, but just being able to know that I was able to accomplish that. Um, For myself, I never would have thought that I'd have made it to that point when I was in fifth grade being told I was a dumb kid. So it was really nice. And I actually remember one of the kids who used to bully me a lot, who I actually had to go to a guidance counselor and had some really like emotional times with um, when I was a senior in high school was actually asking me for advice on how to start signing up for AP classes because they'd never taken one before and started talking to me about, you know, what kind of classes look better going to college and since I had had a little bit more experience. So I think that that was really cool, first of all, that, you know, we were a lot older, so we'd reconciled. We weren't, like, still fighting or anything. But I also just think it was nice to kind of be able to show, like, you know, I wasn't a dumb kid. I was able to actually give some advice and, you know, help them. That's beautiful. 
I just love this story. How neat that this kind of bully uh, from your past was seeking your input, your advice, your expertise, recognizing and looking up to you. I mean, that's such a, uh, that, that's just their way of looking up to you it, with praise and, you know, that inspired by you, I'm sure. That's really neat. Pammy, you really made a nice turnaround. And I love hearing success stories of kids who struggle academically. Just just warms me to know and help kids see that there's hope. And I hope anybody that's listening to this that, you know, even is in school or has kids in school that's, that are struggling, know that there's hope because you, you not only push yourself through in elementary school, but high school you or middle school, you got yourself off the IEP. That took a lot of hard work on your part. And I know the teachers and your mother, I'm sure, were very helpful in that. But that took a lot from you too. You have to want to learn and want to fix what is not working out so well. You you know, like your attempt to write those numbers repeatedly. You you had a very special drive in you that really impresses me. And that I hope other people listening can help instill this drive in their kids and themselves to be able to say, yeah, I can make this. I'm going to do something special with myself. And, and so did you know, at, you know, at middle school or high school that you wanted to be a lawyer? When did that come to you? Um, actually, no. The funny thing is when I was in middle school, even my first year of high school, I wanted to be a scientist, which is why struggling in math was something that definitely like ate at me a lot. But I did have some teachers, even from like fourth grade, who were like, you know, you're a pretty good speaker. You should be a good lawyer. So um, I didn't want to do that. But I did end up joining the debate team in my high school in the mock trial team. Um, I actually didn't make it onto the Science Olympiad team. And the day that I found out I was rejected from Science Olympiad, I signed up for mock trial, which was kind of cool. <laughs> but um, oh, well, that's yeah. neat that you were able to do that rather than letting yourself be down about the Science Olympiad. You just said, okay, well, this didn't work out. What am I going to do now? And I'm going to go on to this debate team. I remember seeing your mother's posts about you. You really excelled on that mock trial debate team, didn't you? Um, it, I definitely, it helped me a lot. And I definitely grew into the activity debate, especially I did it four years in high school. And now at my college, I signed up for the debate team and I became the captain you know, when I joined on my college debate team, it wasn't really a very competitive team. There wasn't, we weren't really winning awards. Um, I think I was the, one of the only varsity debaters as a freshman, which typically freshmen aren't allowed to be on varsity. And um, since then I've qualified for nationals in college debate three times, but not only that, I've recruited some new members and they've been doing so well. I, that was something that was really proud for me is that I was able to go and not just myself do well in debate, but I was able to help like a new group of people who are now going to be taking over. I remember one of the boys that I had coached ended up being the top of the league in novice division, which was awesome. They all qualified to nationals as novices. And so now like I'm leaving capital and they have this vibrant, like thriving debate team, which is something that I'm super proud that I was able to do there. What an inspiration continuing to be that leader that you are recruiting others, helping them, guiding them to, to be their very best, inspiring them and leaving that legacy. Now, uh, you were only there for three years also. 
So they're probably really bummed that you graduated so quickly because they could have loved and enjoyed your um, expertise for another year. But it sounds like you're leaving a legacy back there and a group of kids that were in really good hands and have the skills that you gifted them. That's impressive. Now, now tell me, how did you end up graduating in three years? Um, well, I'd actually taken enough AP classes in high school that I came into Capital with 30 credit hours. So I already had sophomore status and I did pack up some semesters. I had some 18 credit hour semesters in there, um, which is generally the maximum to let you take. But it was definitely the AP classes. I got a lot of gen eds out of the way from high school. And then I just worked really hard and took a ton of credits every semester, as many as I possibly could. So continuing to push yourself. And, and so now you know in when you're in capital that you're going to go into science or going to, I'm sorry, law school mm-hmm. and you're thriving at capital. Uh, what were your thoughts about where you wanted to go to law school? Um, well, when I first went to capital, I was like, well, capital has a law school, you know, maybe I'll go there. And then I thought about it a little bit more. I got some advice. I was told, you know, go to law school where you want to practice law. So I started thinking, okay, well, Cleveland Marshall, that's where my dad went. It's up in Cleveland. I'm going to go there. I'd always heard about Case Western growing up, like um, from my dad's and my uncle's. It's like one of the best law schools. It's the best law school in Cleveland. And I think it's the second best in the state of Ohio. But it was just tuition was so high. And I was like, well, you know, I don't need to go to the best law school. It's okay. But then I applied to law school, and surprisingly, for Case Western, what was interesting is I didn't think I would get any scholarships because my GPA was pretty good, but for Case Western, it was maybe average. My LSAT score was definitely good for Case Western, but what actually got me the scholarship was it's a law and leadership scholarship, and I had written an essay about what I'd done on the debate team. And specifically, they gave me a long leadership scholarship for 50000 because they said because of leadership potential. And so I was actually able to go to Case because not just because of, you know, um, academics, which I'm sure were useful and helped. But the reason I got the scholarship was because I was able to recruit and be a leader in debate, which was so cool because I never thought that I would get to go to Case Western. Like I always was like, you know, an average law school is fine for me. I don't need to go to the you know, a super highly ranked one, but I'm so excited now that I'm going to get to. Very highly ranked. Wow. And and look at this. I mean, you, if you look back, it sounds like your leadership came through at a time when you were, you know, getting help in special ed. You kind of took the lead to help others once you got off that IEP. I, I kind of feel like, you know, this IEP and, and this some of your needs help launch you into this leadership role where now you're reaching out, you're reaching out and helping others in middle school. Then you're guiding some of those very kids that were, weren't very kind to you in middle school. You're guiding them in high school. You're, you're taking on this debate, debate team in high school, showing again more leadership. And then off to college helping and guiding and inspiring others. Like the the circle of life here is really interesting and beautiful. I love this story. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let me ask you this uh, as we close our interview here. Uh, what would you advise any child or parent of a child who has a disability? I would say just believe in yourself. 
no matter what other people, other kids especially can be mean. People tell you different things. People tell you, you know, the IEP kids aren't going to succeed. You have to believe in yourself and you know, the IEP is there to help you. It's going to help you succeed. I would not have become as good at school if I as I was if I hadn't had that small group instruction. So don't see it as something that is hindering you from being your best. See it as something that is going to help you become your best self and always believe in yourself, no matter what the other kids are going to tell you. And if you're a parent, remind your kids of that because I think it's really easy for um, kids on IEP to just get bogged down with the you know, learning disability. I'm not as smart as other kids. And I don't know if I would have been able to do that for myself if my parents hadn't told me, you know, it doesn't matter what those kids are saying. So just believe in yourself and know that that IEP is going to help you succeed in the long run. I love that. I, I love your advice. I love your story. So inspirational. I'm so impressed with you. And I look forward to seeing Evie's continued posts on Facebook for pride in you and all that you do at Case Western with your studies and with the debate team and with your leadership. And I thank you for sharing your story, Pammy. You are an amazing young woman, a gift to this world. I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate it a lot. Today's talking points from our interview with Pammy Bullis are believe in yourself no matter what others say because believing in yourself will help you succeed. If you have special learning needs, embrace the IEP and the small group lessons as they will help you become your best self. Parents can be their children's best advocates and cheerleaders. And success is the sum of small efforts repeated day in and day out. Today's gratitude is joy comes when hard work pays off. Well, that's it for today's interview. We hope our guests helped you overcome some of your adversity and learn some new resiliency skills to help you to live a more fulfilled life. Keep on dancing and don't stop believing. <laughs>